Faith, what do you call a ghost with a broken leg? I don't know, Dan. What do you call a ghost with a broken leg? A hobbling goblin. I have a feeling it's not going to get any better than that tonight. It's not. You are listening to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. Cue the music. Welcome one and welcome all to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. I am Dan. And I am Faith. The moral of tonight's film is don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in it. Well said. We have a good one on the slab tonight for postmortem. But before we get to that, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in and to welcome you to the show. Be you a spook, specter, or a demonic woman with a rare skin disorder with an aversion to light. Welcome to the Late Night Fright. We are so glad to have you all here with us. And while you should be afraid of what's in the dark, you should not be afraid to get in touch with us. Which you can all do at latenightfrightpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from all of you. Even the demonic women with rare skin disorders and an aversion to light. Especially demonic women with rare skin disorders and aversions to light. Which tonight's film just so happens to have. Faith, what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about 2016's Lights Out from director David F. Sandberg. Lights Out is based on the acclaimed short film of the same name, directed by Sandberg, and tells the ghostly tale of a young woman named Rebecca who must protect her half-brother Martin from a demonic entity named Diana that is attached to their mother Sophie and only comes out... In the dark. The film stars Teresa Palmer as Rebecca, Gabriel Bateman as Martin, and Maria Bello as Sophie. The cast is rounded out by Alexander de Persia as Brett, Rebecca's boyfriend, Billy Burke as Paul, Sophie's husband, and Alicia Vela Bailey as Diana, the malevolent spirit attached to Sophie. David F. Sandberg's wife, Lada Lawson, also makes an appearance in the very beginning of the movie as Billy Burke's assistant. And it's a scene that really sets the mood for the entire piece. Produced by James Wan, the creator of the Saw, Insidious, and Conjuring franchises, Lights Out was produced on a budget of $4.9 million, which it made back on July 22, 2016, its first day of theatrical release. Sandberg has gone on to direct 2017's Annabelle Creation, part of the Conjuring franchise, and 2019's Shazam, part of the DC Comics movie universe. Lights Out is his first major production. How green was he? He had never visited a film set before and had to ask the assistant director when he should say action. How did he do? Stay tuned for our review. We are going to take a short break. Enjoy the music and a vintage commercial. You are listening to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. We will see you on the other side. Well, boys and girls, you know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that will get you up to the front in bike races, on the baseball diamond, in all kinds of games. It's energy. You see, the faster you go, the more energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by eating delicious chocolatey Tootsie Rolls. Boy, they're cram jam full of energy. Have more energy units in one penny Tootsie Roll than you use circling the bases 36 times or when you're riding your bike three whole miles. And it's fast energy. Why, no sooner do you pop a Tootsie Roll in your mouth than you can practically feel new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Tootsie Rolls are good, wholesome food. They're made with plenty of nourishing, bodybuilding milk. So next time you have a penny to spend or a nickel, well, if you have a nickel, get the big jumbo-sized Tootsie Roll. And don't forget... 
The long-lasting penny Tootsie Rolls give you a lot for your money, too. A penny Tootsie Roll is still only a penny. A nickel Tootsie Roll is still five cents. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. Tonight's film is Lights Out from director David F. Sandberg. It was written by Eric Heiserer, the screenwriter behind 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street remake, Final Destination 5, 2011's The Thing, a prequel to the 1982 John Carpenter masterpiece, 2018's Bird Box, and 2016's Arrival, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award. The score was composed by Benjamin Walfish, who has worked on horror films such as the two It movies and Annabelle Creation, as well as Blade Runner 2049 and Hidden Figures. As we said before the break, this was David F. Sandberg's first movie. So how did he do, Faith? I think he did an amazing job. I don't know. I, I, I think he... I think he really captured... Something really, really awesome here. What about you? Because this was the first time you ever watched this movie. And I've been wanting you to watch this for a long time. Sure was. First time I've seen it. So share your thoughts. If I didn't know this was his first film, I I wouldn't have been able to tell. There's a a real confidence to this. Now, I'll say this. I was looking him up in his filmography. He had been doing short films in Sweden. That's where he's from. And so the craft he'd apparently learned the craft but he had never been on a major film set before which blew me away and right? he came in <laughs> and he's had great successes now with Annabelle Creation and with the Shazam movie and he's doing a sequel to Shazam that's coming out later this year at the time of this recording so he's got something he's he's right. got something and you can see it here i really really like this movie and it's an incredibly creepy movie and i think it's got a great idea sitting right at its center and in that respect, it harkens back to films like A Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's the original 1984 version, not the compromised <laughs> 2010 yeah. version that we got. And when I learned that Eric Heiserer had co-written the 2010 remake of Elm Street, the question popped in my mind, did he insert discarded ideas from his Elm Street script into this? Because I was getting some really strong Freddy Krueger vibes from this, that whole... Uh, Wes Craven thing yeah. in this. I was getting that from that. Were you getting an Elm Street vibe from this? Yeah, you had said earlier before we recorded, you're, you're kind of, you can't escape, you know? There's there's no escaping Fred Krueger. There's no escaping Diana. It's like yeah. you're stuck. And yeah, I can definitely, I can get, I can see the Fred That's one Kruger. of the great conceits of the Freddy Krueger character is that there there is no getting away from him. Right. You, you he gets you in the physical world or he gets you in the dream world. Right. Because he's he, not a Michael Myers, you know. Yeah. You can't just go hide somewhere and And that's what and that's what makes that movie so incredibly special is uh, it transcends the genre that it's in. And you know, it's a slasher movie, but it transcends that genre because it's a supernatural right. ghost story. And there's so much uh, uh, texture to that film and there's so much thematic material in that movie and I feel like this is really a descendant of the original Elm Street movie because this has so much thematic material and the villain at the center of this shares a lot of traits with Freddy Krueger because you can't get away from her because uh, just like you have to fall asleep the lights are going to go out it's going to be dark and she manifest in the dark and i thought that was just such a great original conceit yes for for a horror movie villain and and then really interesting and then she's got a lot of thematic material attached to her some symbolism attached to her just like freddie does in the 84 movie and so i i see them 
as sort of companion pieces yeah. in a way. And I'm and I'm serious about that question. Did Eric Heiser have ideas that he wanted to incorporate into the Elm Street film that they did not let him right. did, and he had them saved because this really felt like it could have been, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a Freddy Krueger movie. Oh yeah. And I, I, I and it. I mean that very lovingly because I, I am a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of that character. One of the great things about Diana, too, that, again, harkens back to classic horror tropes now, and, and we're 40-something years you know, removed from the 80s, you know, the heyday of the slasher picture in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, her name, Diana, which might just, you know, on the surface be, oh, well, that was the name of the girl. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll get to her story in a second. But, oh, it was a little girl's name. Well... In the 70s and 80s, you know, the killers had those names like Michael and mm-hmm. Freddie and Jason and Chucky, and they were normal, everyday right. names, you know, and you were getting away from things like Frankenstein and Dracula and the right. Wolfman and Gilman, you know, creature names, and, and the horror was there on the block, you know, it was, it was there in the house yeah, like your next, next door, door to you. Yeah. yeah, your next door neighbor, yeah. And uh, in this case, kind of like the little girl who lived down the lane, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, so she she's she's rooted she's rooted in in classic horror and that was one thing I was noticing you know uh, just her name you know, yeah Diana it's not uh, it's nothing out of the ordinary it's not some like Latin name that they took I feel like a lot of these movies sometimes take like I don't know if you've seen certain movies I'm trying to think of the one I'm thinking of specifically I don't know if they take like these weird names that are foreign or yeah you know to kind of sound creepier. But this is so generic, and like you said, next generic, door. <laughs> yeah, and I think it, I think in a way it's so generic and so blah, yeah, yeah, that it puts the horror in this in this other level mm-hmm. because it's so common, and, it, and yeah. it, it puts it just just a little bit closer, you know. Because I mean, a guy named Freddie, you know, a guy named Jason, yeah. you know, Diana, Dirty Diana, like <laughs> the Michael Jackson That's, song. It's, I've been singing it the whole time. Have you? <laughs> it's a good song. Um, but like, uh, and, and again, I, I really admire this movie because there is some deeper thematic material, uh, at work here, just mm-hmm. like 84's Elm Street, at which I'm on record is that is possibly my favorite horror movie of all time. It's one of my favorite films of all time. I think as far as horror movies go, it's rivaled maybe only by Bride of Frankenstein, uh, which I think is just the amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I mean, you've got everything there in that. But uh, you've got everything there in that original Elm Street, and the 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 primalness of that idea, you know, uh, that you can't get away, that it's in your subconscious, you know, right, right, and that makes it ten times creepier. And yeah, exactly, it does. And this, there's a primal. We have a primal fear of the dark. Mm-hmm. We, we humans have a fear of the dark. That goes back to our ancestors being in the caves because of predators, you know? And, and so again, here's Diana with this thing of, she comes out, she manifests in the dark. We're scared of the dark because of predators and Wes Craven modeled the, the Kruger glove off of the animal because an animal would be the predator Predator. that would be stalking man. It's all there. It's Mm -hmm. all there hiding out in the subconscious. So I, I really love the conceit of this and I would love to talk to this gentleman and ask him like, were you were you taking ideas? You know, <laughs> did, did they not let you do that? Right. Because you know? that's a movie that it the 2010 Elm Street. It's a movie that feels like you know all of the bad ideas made it into the uh, final film. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, this is really good. And as we said, uh, let's get away from Freddie. Let's 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 talk about Diana. Uh, there's some deeper thematic material here, and they're dealing with depression and literal personal demons Mm -hmm. and i love this we're going to get to the tropes here in a second but what we have here we have a character we have the character of sophie played by maria bello who has this uh, she's not imaginary but has has a friend that is attached to her it's a Mm -hmm. negative malevolent supernatural Mm -hmm. entity and this is a question this is a real world question here can people open doorways and be vortexes for dark negative entities to come through. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it. We both think the answer is yes. 1,000%. But you watch a lot of supernatural shows. Yes. You watch a lot of ghost hunting shows. I've watched a few in my time, not as much as you, so I'm not as, I'm right. not as seasoned on this as you. So I'm going to ask you, 
in your experiences watching these shows and in personal experiences, uh, have you found this to be true? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like most people think that places alone would be the only thing that could maybe be a vortex or be like a portal or something like that. But people can absolutely... People invite things into themselves that they don't realize daily. And there is no telling what you're opening up when you're inviting these specific things. And it could be something very simple, but I feel like sometimes even watching these shows have to take a break from it because I feel like sometimes you're inviting those things in just by watching them. Does that make any sense? It makes complete sense, yes. And that's why I've always subscribed to the notion of, uh, listen, this is not not a political uh, argument at all, but when some groups have said, you know, oh, these things are too violent and it's being marketed towards children, I, I actually agree with that sometimes, that there's certain things kids shouldn't be seeing because right. they're not ready for it because it then informs their worldview and it creates an inner dialogue which does allow possible things to get through to manifest in a way and it's but it's as simple as this too and i I know this is true for you and i'm going to pose the question to the audience i want you to really think about this out there listening there are certain people that you spend time with and you feel completely drained after you're with them oh yes now I want you to think about those people. Now, it's not just like with people like where you might have a difference of opinion or something, right. you know, and my, man, somebody's just really irritating, you mm-hmm. know, and gets like, no, 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 I'm, this is different than uh, I got to spend a day with Bob. Bob <laughs> is loud and Bob tells awful jokes, you know. No, um, that's different. This is different. This is people who, when you're just in a room with them, you just feel completely drained and, and nauseous and you just don't want to be there and you feel literally like you want to crawl out of your own skin. And right. so I want you to think about what kind of person is that? Right. Yeah. Are they negative? So this is this can kind of go into what I like about the movie. We both know a very specific person that 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 drains us and we know for a fact that this person you know is not somebody that stays in the light very often. And that's what I like about this movie. It's literally like light versus like darkness you know you can see in certain in certain scenes um Teresa Palmer what's her name on there Rebecca Rebecca there's like little slivers of light Mm -hmm. and she's trying to stay in it right because she's trying to stay in trying to stay positive you know so it's like and if you fall into that darkness there is no telling what you will pick up and what connects to you and it's a very simple symbol yeah you know but it's very effective yeah it's very powerful Uh, very powerful yeah it's a powerful trope it is you know it really is and uh i i was really enjoying the movie because of that too and i've known people who i i am so worn out Mm -hmm. after i spend time with them for any amount of time and you feel like you've gone through like a battle (laughs) i feel like yes yes i feel like and and my battery is is literally drained Mm -hmm. you know and and i'm so sensitive sometimes to these things that it can knock me down Mm -hmm. for a day and and i have gotten sick Mm -hmm. before you know so it's one of those things i firmly believe that people through not knowing any better or their own negligence or their own personal desire, possibly, you know, can, can have these dark things attached, whether conscious or, or unscious, you know, energies there. Cause, right. cause there is conscious energy and residual energy. There's all yeah, kinds of, of there, there's a whole world that we just, we just are, are not aware of. You th- know, some I, of I, us I, are aware of it, but well, yeah. even those that are aware of it, we're not fully aware of what's going on, yeah. even though we are these wonderful energetic sensing beings right. you know and a lot of us are waking up to that yeah but when you're staying in the darkness you like you said there might be residual and there's stuff that might be a little more <laughs> you know intelligent if you will like we have in this movie right you're staying in that darkness you're soaking it up it's like you have to come out of it at some point i've always equated it to being a lit match in a vat of gasoline yeah. You know, that's 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 the feeling there, mm-hmm. you know, 
So uh, from that respect, I, I think it's saying a lot. You know, it has, a, again, let's go back to the movie I keep comparing it to because I think the comparison is really warranted to 84 Elm Street with the thematic material of what fear can do to your life because that's what that movie is about. That movie is not about a man killing children, killing, <laughs> killing children in their dreams. No. That's about the fear that he is instilling mm-hmm. in those kids that allows him to rule their lives. And I've said it before. I will continue to say it. The most, one of the most powerful images for me in all of cinema is when Nancy played by Heather Langenkamp turns her back on Robert England as he comes up out of that bed and he's ready to strike and she turns and faces him and tells him that he's nothing and that she's taken back all of her power and she reclaims it. And it's so incredibly powerful because it's her really stepping into her womanhood Mm -hmm. and it's her embracing maturity and adulthood, leaving childhood behind. And here's this thing that's, that's a child killer Mm -hmm. and she turns her back on it and he disappears because she does not feed that fear And the comparison is so apt because here we have a movie where we have a woman who is really stepping into the role of uh, a responsibility uh, caregiving role. And and so there's there's a lot of similarities here. And I think that's why this movie works so well. And I like how subtle it is with with the heavier thematic Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, one of the things I really liked about the movie is the story is told on a really small scale. I feel like it's a very intimate film because uh, there's not a lot of characters first off. Yeah. And the story feels very real world and there's an attempt made to ground the characters. Yeah. And I like that the scope of this is so small. We really we're focused in on really one look, well, two locations uh, and just like really four characters. You know, we've got yeah, uh, the, the we've got the two female leads and we've got the two male leads, mm-hmm. and uh, really, really good stuff. The cast is so good. This cast is so good. Uh, special shout out to Gabriel Bateman as Martin. Uh, he also appeared in Annabelle, and he played Andy in the Child's Play remake. Okay. And this is one of the finer kid performances I've seen in a movie. This is up there with uh, People Under the Stairs. There we go, citing another Wes Craven movie. <laughs> and Haley Joel in awesome, The Sixth yeah. Sense. This is really good. He really is good. He he feels like a real kid, you know? Like, there's real terror and real fear, but then there's also the concern for his mom. You know, so, like, yeah. that that seems so real. Like, no, we cannot leave her behind. Yeah, and, and heroic, you know? Yes. Yeah. He's so good. Really good. Teresa Palmer is really good, too. You and know, she, she's Australian? Yeah, I read that, yeah. And she has a really impressive list of credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warm Bodies, The Sorcerer's Apprentice with mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage. Uh, she was in uh, Discovery of Witches, which uh, which was a AMC television series. My sister really liked it. I, I have not seen it. Uh, she either. was also in Hacksaw Ridge, the Mel Gibson World War II film that uh, starred Andrew Garfield. So she has this, she's uh, quietly amassed this really nice body of work. Yeah. And she is really good in this because if she's not on, I don't think the movie no. works uh, works the way that it should. And with that said, uh, one thing I was noticing, there's like these little inversions in this. Uh, her boyfriend, Brett, Alexander de Persia plays him. I really liked him in this. He's a rock and roller, but he drives a Volvo. I think it's a Volvo. <laughs> is it a Volvo? I think so. It's always a Volvo in horror movies, man. It's. It, I watched. I watched one on Creature Features recently. <laughs> they had a Volvo. Um, but he did, drives did a. Did you sen- say Volvo or Volvo? Uh, I said Volvo. Vol- <laughs> Volvo. Volvo. Uh, he drives a sensible vehicle, but he's also looking for a long-term commitment from, mm-hmm. from Teresa Palmer's character, Rebecca. And he also seems to have some sense about him. You know, he's saying, no, don't take this on. You need to call Child Protective Services. That's what they're there for. And she's commitment shy, which is the role usually inhabited by the male in these movies. And we have an imaginary friend. We've seen this in movies like Hide and Seek, the the imaginary friend trope that's usually attached to a child. Mm-hmm. But here it's attached to a parent. Yeah. So really, really dug it. Yeah. Really, really dug what they were what they were doing here. Me too. 
Uh, also, the effects are really excellent. They were done as practically as possible, and I love the effects effect on the eyes. Yes. The eye effects are really well done. She's, oh, I just love the way Diana looks in the dark. I don't know. It's just, it's so creepy. Did you watch this with the lights out? Um, you, did I, I did. I did watch <laughs> it with the lights out. And let me tell you why I watched it with the lights out. Oh, you have to. Well, I, yes, A, because you have to. Horror movie rules. Uh, I watched it with the lights out because the screen was so black mm-hmm. at parts that the light was glaring mm-hmm. and I was not seeing what was happening on the screen. So they I did it on purpose. They did it on purpose. Yes. <laughs> the the wonderful stunt woman uh, who played Diana. Let me get her name. I have that written here in the uh, in the uh, beginning here. Let's see. This is the, the prepared people. Uh, Alicia Vela Bailey. She's a stunt woman. Okay. And they were going to cast uh, an actress in okay. that in that role. And I don't know if there's really any point though. You know. Well, they they thought maybe you know with physical movement and things like this. But what uh, Sandberg realized, uh, according to what I was reading, this woman has complete control over her body because she's a stunt, stunt woman, woman and right. a dancer. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's better. And so she really was yeah. able to inhabit and brought some things to it, and I I really enjoyed her performance. Yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, because I mean, it's not like she's really like, I don't know, it's not like she's acting necessarily. So I mean, it's kind of cool yeah. to go the route of a, you know, absolutely person than an actress. Absolutely. Let's talk about a few things before I get. Uh, I have a I have I have a I have a nitpick. I have one nitpick with this. That's it's, okay. It's a it's a major minor nitpick. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about it i love the beginning scene of this i think that is a fabulous scene talk about (laughs) talk about getting your mojo up there on screen Uh really early setting the tone for this you know exactly what kind of movie this is going to be yep this is going to be a ghost movie this is this is going to be a little bit horrific. Mm-hmm. This is going to be uh, there's a there's a threat in this, mm-hmm. and it's going to be creeptastic. And I felt like the movie lived up to the first scene of the yep. movie. This is one of the more well done scenes, uh, opening scenes. And you know what it reminded me of? What's that? Going back to Wes Craven, it reminded me a little bit of Scream, where you have somebody kind of well known. You've got Billy Burke. Mm-hmm. That's right, Twilight's own Billy Burke. <laughs> Uh, you've got him in this, and you're thinking, okay, well, Billy Burke, he's, he's pretty well established. Yeah, he's going to be he's not going to go anywhere. He's going to be a major player. Well, they kill him off in the first five ten minutes of the yeah. movie, and it's like, okay, well, all bets are off. You know, so it kind of reminded me of Scream a little bit mm-hmm. in that respect. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I dug that. I dug the effect of her in the dark, the way that she would appear and move. She's darker than dark, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the scene, there's a scene in, in uh, the great classic masterpiece spinal tap where they get their album and it's just a black cover, you know, it's like, well, how much, how much more blacker can it get? And the answer is none. You know, it's one of the great scenes in film ever. <laughs> it's one of the greatest movies ever made, but, uh, but but the way that they were using the light with flashing lights, like you've got the tattoo light outside the window and it would flash mm-hmm. and then it would go off and she would move and you see Teresa Palmer uh, racing for the light switch and you see her lunging at her and she gets the light on just, just in time. So really cool. I, I love the way that they did it. I'm not a fan of jump scares. I don't mind a good jump scare. I'm not a fan of movies that rely, rely on it on jump scares and uh, we're going back to it. 2010's nightmare on Elm street relied so heavily on the jump scares. And it, 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 for me, it was like, it wasn't in the spirit of what that, that material is, you know, and this had a few jump scares, but I don't feel like they were cheap gags. This, this was like really built into what this, this thing is so, so good. So, and, and, this guy's first movie. It's got the insidious thing going on with it. You know, it's like they're yeah, it's there. James Wan influence. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're there, but it's like it's not relying on those. It's, right, they're just there. They, I feel like they help. They make it even creepier, but they're not nice, relying on it. Nice cherries on top yeah. of of this really wonderful Sunday that they've that they've <laughs> that they've built for you. And uh, you said earlier the eye effects are really well done, and that was done practically there on with uh, with uh, some kind of tape. It was just tape. That was it. Yeah. 
It was it was cool. really cool. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm not I'm not much on the technical side of things, but I was reading like even uh, the effect of her, you know, in the dark and then the lights come on and she disappears mm-hmm. was something very simple to do. Like, yeah, it was so really cool. Just a really cool movie. I love uh, it. <laughs> OK, my nitpick. And I, I, I'm really interested to see what your take is here on this. I wanted to see Diana just a little bit more. Oh, of course. I wanted to see a little bit more. And I also wanted just a little bit more backstory. I feel like it's like almost there. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of these people, I don't need everything explained to me. Right. You know, I don't need to know how Freddie came back from, from, you know, the parents burning him Mm -hmm. to become, you know, the dream demon. He's so evil. I can, I can put it together that, you know, he was so evil that he's, you know, of course that's what the next logical step for him is in his, in the employment <laughs> ladder, you know? Um, but I feel like they either could have done more explaining with the Sophie Diana thing, because there's a backstory with Diana. She was locked in the basement. She has this really weird skin disorder. And then they do these experiments on her, you know, and then she like, yeah. like just evaporates under the light, you know, or something like this. But they also say that she she has this power to get in people's heads. You know, this is when she's still alive. Right. You know, and she did it, I think, to her father, they said. And then she did it to Sophie and made her think that they were friends. OK. OK. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's like there's so much stuff there. You know, it's like I, I, I don't it's like kind of pick one. It's kind of like pick yeah, one. Yeah. I'm with you there. I would have gone uh, with her being completely supernatural. I would have, yeah. that's what I would have done. She was completely supernatural because then it gets really interesting with, it's kind of like the Michael Myers mask, as we've talked about on the show before. You can assign anything you want right. to that mask. And then she becomes a symbol of addiction, loneliness, suicide, yeah. Yeah. you know, which is something that plays into mm-hmm. it. We need to talk about that before mm-hmm. we wrap up shop on this. But I, I thought that might have been a little. A, a little easier because it's like there's all this stuff over here like oh she was this little girl well and now she's come back why is she come like uh, right, it's like right. it, I, I feel like it would have been a little better if she had been and then well, it, well they explain that she comes back because she comes back when the mom gets worse so it's like okay I get that but which would again, play into my one. idea of her being super just a supernatural right entity that has attached itself to her and 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 sophie played by maria bello is opening that door and she's coming through and so that's so it's like are we leaning towards a jealousy thing is she jealous that somebody's getting better and she couldn't get you know what i mean but she's feeding on her she's feeding feeding on yeah so it's like so i feel like in that respect it it could have been a little just just trimmed or expanded you know and it, it did not take away from my enjoyment of what what right. we got here. I thought this was just, just really well done. Yeah. And I, I, we had mentioned, we were talking about this before we, we started rolling tape on this, that, you know, it's, it's like in uh, Elm street when Ronnie Blakely, Ronnie Blakey as the mother uh, tells Heather Langenkamp, you know, he was this nasty, filthy child murderer, but we killed him, you know, and it's a, it's a minute long scene and it just, it's like, okay, you go with it All right. and your mind starts filling in blanks and yeah. asking questions. And I think, uh, you know, uh, with the mental, you know, because this movie is about uh, mental problems, yeah. you know, and, and Rebecca has had to overcome mental issues because of her experiences with this Rebecca thing. So wouldn't it have been something if Diana, I'm sorry, if if the Diana character, you know, had caused the mother to abuse her or something. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. there, that's where it starts could get, it could get really interesting, you know? So it is about trying to come out of the darkness into the light. Mm-hmm. And so it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't I, know. I, it, I, it, I agree with you a hundred percent. So, uh, but I really do like what we, what we got. So real quick, the ending was a little controversial. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, Maria Bello's character, Sophie, commits suicide, which then takes away uh, Diana. Mm-hmm. Takes Diana. Mm-hmm. She goes back to wherever it is that, that she lives in the basement somewhere, <laughs> I guess. Um, some people felt it was promoting suicide. Uh, I, I didn't see it that way at all. No. I, I feel like it was uh, suicide's never a, a good choice. 
Uh, I feel like it was the only play that woman had left to regain any of her power, yeah. you know, and it was her, it was like the last act of a loving mother. I felt yeah. that was, that was what that was. I didn't feel like it was a, I didn't feel like the, the depression beat her. No, I feel like it was more of a sacrifice and it could have yeah. been any type of sacrifice, but it was just like, I need to save my children. I'm desperate. Here it is. You know, like. Because even in the darkest, uh, times you know when things would get really down in this movie she would say you know don't touch my kids yeah yeah leave my kids alone. Yeah. so yeah it, it it wasn't uh i i didn't feel like it was promoting suicide i, I, I didn't say that i didn't feel that at all i felt it was a tragic end yeah it was a heroically tragic end to this yeah. to this character, you know, making the sacrifices. You said, you yeah. know, wasn't a she wasn't making the bad choice. She was making no. the sacrifice. So yeah, it's she it's, wasn't doing it for herself just because she felt so terrible. It was just exactly like, Here's, exactly this is for depression. My depression's a depression's a, a hard thing. Yeah. It's a hard thing to 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 quantify, mm-hmm. you know. And and um, David Sandberg is on record as having suffered from depression. So this is something that's near and dear. Yeah. to him and uh i've i've had my low periods in my life i i know you have uh-huh. and and until you've experienced them for, for you know and really been in it, it it's hard to to appreciate right what it is so uh so it was speaking to me on that level too so mm-hmm. it, it's it's a really good film this is it's a really good thoughtful film has a lot to say uh, it's just fun to watch too. It's, it's fun to watch, yeah. and that's a that's a win when you have something that has some really great thematic material and is as entertaining as this. And as dark as it is, it's very easy to watch. Very easy to watch, and as 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 we said, entertaining. Ghost stories are always fun, mm-hmm. you know, when they're well done. And uh, again, I just I feel like it has something to say, and I like. Uh, one of the things I love about horror movies that harken back to old days, to antiquity, into the times of, uh, you know, the uh, the Greek plays and the Greek tragedies, and then the, into fairy tales and things like that, is I I feel like they give us these these roadmaps on how to live, you know, and mm-hmm. and this is one that that kind of falls into that, you know, where uh, don't don't get consumed by the dark, right? Exactly. You know, don't get consumed by the dark. Try to find some light. Try know? to find some light. Yeah, and and don't be scared of what's in the dark. Face face what's in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, it it, it it can't have power over you if you don't give it that power. Nope. So, yeah, yeah, and and that's ultimately what the Sophie character was was going through with, you know, her her struggles. Her struggles were bringing it in. You know, if she was able to face what she was going through, then then this Diana entity wouldn't have been able to influence her the way that it did. So. Great movie, great performances. What a what a debut! I, I this guy is is still relatively new to the scene, and I think we're going to be looking back at this, you know, a few years from now and going, "Wow, what a great directorial debut!" Yeah. You you would never notice. You never ever know. <laughs> I, I it, it's so so confident and assured, mm-hmm. you know, and and the characters. One thing, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave with this thought. The characters seem to be trying to make good decisions. They're 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 not making like horror movie decisions, exactly. which I really appreciated. You know, like he's like, you know, no, let's get out. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, really, really good stuff. I'm I'm really I'm glad you liked I'm it. I'm really glad we got to this. There, there's talk of a sequel. I don't know that we need we need a sequel. I don't. To this. I don't think I, we do. I, I don't feel. I think it would cheapen the. Stop! Stop with the sequels. Stop. I think it would, I think it would cheapen the end of this. Well, unless it's Top Gun Maverick, you know we. Yes. We needed that one. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know we needed that one. Did not know we needed it. That's what we're going to end on. Go see Top Gun Maverick. I yes. don't care. I don't care what you think about Tom Cruise. Go see this movie. <laughs> one of the best movies I've seen in the theater time. in twenty years. Yeah. And one of the most immersive cinematic experiences of my life. It is amazing. It is. If you like, if you're a fan of the original movie, you're really going to love this movie. If you're new to Top Gun, they're going to give you enough to get into it. But watch that original movie before you go see it. It is absolutely wonderful. It is. It, it scores. It just just goes. It. It's it we saw it together and just. When you saw it two times after. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it three times. Go see it. It um, 
And it doesn't assault your senses. No, not it's at immersive all. without assaulting your senses. Like I didn't leave with a migraine, you know. Yeah. It yeah. was it was it was so pleasant to it's perfectly watch balanced. this movie and not be suffering because it's too loud or perfectly balanced. It is. So, uh, I guess the moral of the story is if they're going to do a lights out sequel, let's get Tom Cruise to do it. There you go. <laughs> After thirty five years of waiting. <laughs> so, all right, we are going to take a short break. This is a news break, so stay tuned for that. I am Dan, and I am Faith. We will see you on the other side. The Fleshlight Company recently started selling a sex toy modeled after the Demogorgon creature featured in the Netflix hit series Stranger Things. That's right. If you're a man looking to get your freak on, you can hang your wang in the jaws of the Demogorgon. I have nothing to add to the story except that this could be a sign of the end times, to which I say bring it on. Johnny Depp won his recent court case against ex-wife Amber Heard making him the first man in history to win an argument against a woman. Congratulations, Johnny. And we'd like to add that all of you should never forget that she took a big dump right in his bed. That's right, she crapped in his bed. I have nothing to add to this story except that it could be a sign of the end times. To which I say, bring it on. Steph Motto, who appeared on the reality show 90 Day Fiancé, made a bundle selling her gas online in what she called fart jars. She's now making a bundle selling her boob sweat. I feel that this story speaks for itself, but I would like to add that it could be a sign of the end times. Bring it on. And that's it for the news. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Enjoy the music and stay tuned for our big finish. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And those news stories that we just read are real. So be afraid. Be very, very, very afraid. And hey, those fart jars being sold by Steph Mata, they go for $1,000 a jar. And But hey, she's giving you a break on the boob sweat. That's only 500 Apparently, she goes and she sits out by the pool all day and just collects collects sweat off her boobs. And she says she has amazing tatas. So, you know. Next time the city has like a spring, the fall fest, I'm going to go sell fart jars. Yeah. yeah I feel <laughs> like I'm, I'm missing. Uh, or boob sweat jars. Missing out on becoming a fartrepreneur or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, Demogorgon sex toys, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm glad for Johnny. Um I yeah, think I think there was some some. <laughs> <laughs> she took a big steaming deuce in his bed. What a weirdo! Oh, what a weirdo! Speaking of weirdos, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> 
so glad to have you here. Uh, great movie, Lights Out, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please check that out. We have one coming up that we haven't seen. It's a no. new movie. Um, we're going to be doing the film X from writer-director Ty West. It stars Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Martin Henderson, and Brittany Snow. I like Brittany Snow. She's pretty cool. Yeah, she's I all like right. Her. At least we're not doing a uh, prom night. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's right. No offense. A uh, porn movie crew finds themselves terrorized by a killer after gathering on an elderly couple's property in rural Texas to shoot an adult film. I, I like this movie already. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Should be good. Lots we were, we were uh, really taken with the trailers for this. Yeah, yeah, I first saw it and I was like, "That looks pretty cool." Slasher, Texas chainsaw massacre, slasher comedy. It's got some comedic elements in it too. So probably lots be, of boobs. Uh, well, one can only hope. Uh, let's see. And uh, just an interesting side note: James Wan is in talks to direct a modern day Frankenstein film for Universal. So. I'm curious if that is going to tie into the Nicolas Cage Renfield film that we're going to be getting soon, in which Mr. Cage plays Dracula. So uh, if we hear anything about that, we'll we'll let you know. But that should be pretty good. That guy has a pretty good track record. And not only does he have a good track record with the horror stuff, he's also branched out. He's directed uh, films in the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, he's also directed... In the uh, uh, DC canon, he directed Aquaman, which was a huge hit. I think they're doing another one. It's coming out. And uh, David F. Sandberg uh, has a Shazam movie coming out. Mm-hmm. So so there you go. So, I mean, I like that they're not just you know limiting themselves yeah. to, to the horror. And, it's pretty cool. Uh, very cool. You know, that reminds me of uh, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi mm-hmm. did that, didn't he? And uh, yeah. worked out pretty well for, for a little bit. For old Sam, just a little <laughs> bit. Well, thank you all once again for tuning in. We love having you here with us. We love talking about these movies. We love watching these movies. We love sharing this conversation with you. We hope that you're doing well out there. Times are weird. You know, there was the old proverb, you know, uh, may you live in interesting times. That was actually a curse. I feel like we're living in some <laughs> very interesting times. So be good to yourself and be good to your neighbor, as the late, great Don Cornelius, the host of Soul Train, was so fond of saying. And I myself am fond of saying that because in the end, we are all that we have. And as it's true. Faith so eloquently said, you know, stay in the light. Yes. Stay in the light. Try and stay in the light. I know it's hard, but. Yeah. Just try. It is hard. Close those doors. Don't let don't let don't let those those negative things attach themselves to you. And, you know they do it through uh, TV. You know through being Debbie Down like Debbie Downer, uh, the great Rachel Dratch character from Saturday Night Live. You know, um, <laughs> it's not for me. It's not about you know saying oh dark things don't exist. I'm I am aware it's, that they exist. Yeah. I choose not to feed them. Yes. I choose not to put my awareness on them. I dip in every now and then to see what's going on in the world. Yes. And I feel like you have to. I feel like you have to just to <laughs> and know then come out of it. Just to know what storm is on the horizon. Yes. And and use a lot of discernment when you do that because you're being lied to on a lot of fronts. You're being manipulated psychologically. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, that's what the great television series, The Invaders, was about. We covered The Invaders back in January here on the show. We did the pilot. And if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. And there was an episode of that series where the alien uh, invaders took over all the media in the country. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Interesting. So, uh, and listen, I'm not saying that there aren't great people working in the media. There are. There are people out there working in the media who want to tell the truth, and they're not being allowed to tell the truth, so they're going to alternative media. And then the legacy media is calling the alternative media, you know, crap and liars and conspiracy theorists and all this. Listen, use your discernment. You know it's weird out there. Uh, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Yeah. So thank you, though, for tuning in. We love having you here. Faith and I just, we, I, I love doing the show. I love doing the show uh, with you. And, and I feel like, you know, we try to bring a, a smile to you and, and yeah. maybe a little bit of a, uh, looking at these movies in a way that you hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. maybe thinking about them in a different way, you know, bringing up some issues that you uh, maybe didn't catch the first time through, or maybe mm-hmm. even getting you uh, 
hip to some stuff you're not yeah. aware of. Can I share my funny thought I keep having in oh, my head? Oh, please do. I think it may it might just be I'm delirious because I'm very tired. Um, I'm picturing, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking in my head, you know, all these things going on in the world. Do the Nancy. And then I was like, oh, that could become a dance move. And then I'm thinking of her, like, dancing to the hustle. I don't know. You talking about Nancy Thompson dancing to the hustle? Yeah, Nancy. Doing, doing, turning her back from Freddie. Doing the hustle. Yeah. She's not necessarily doing the hustle, but she's, the music's playing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's turning her back from Freddie. Wow, you have been up a long time. I have. Yeah. I had an 11-hour work day. So oh, you're precious. That's the kind of stuff's going on in my head. You keep that coming. Okay. This is the kind of stuff we need to win. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of stuff we need to win. If we haven't said it enough, you can reach us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. And if you want to have a good time, why don't you go back to the beginning of the show, take a shot every time we say late night fright podcast at gmail.com. You'll you'll be passed out or nightmare on elm street or nightmare on elm street you'll be doing yeah you'll be doing the hustle by the time it's all over all right so the movie x from director ty west is up next we've got horror slashers comedy and some porn so sounds like a really good time looking forward to it we might we might need to forego the coffee and just get a couple of beers for that one faith there you go. There you go. Get some <laughs> get some Lone Star. <laughs> so, well, it feels like it's that time because Faith is getting delirious. So let's see if we snap our fingers on the count of three. Can we make the magic happen? Can we make the music swell up and bring us out? Can we make it happen, Faith? Let's see. Ready? One, two, three. Well, Faith is officially delirious, so it is time to call the show. It's time to say goodbye. It is time to say goodbye. Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep Keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side. Go get some sleep. Okay. Okay.